Hey everyone, welcome to the Journeyman Podcast. We are super excited to be having more in-depth conversations that we can share with you. At Journeyman, we believe in supporting adolescent males on their paths to becoming men of integrity. My name is Jordan Bowman. I am from Journeyman Triangle in the Raleigh area, and I am joined by my co-host, Brant Evans, who's the director of Journeyman Asheville. And today we have a really special guest. His name is Nikki Wilkes, and he hails from Washington State, we're super excited to have him on to discuss mentoring boys and rites of passage experiences. Well, welcome, Nikki. Super, super exciting to have you here. Um, love the conversation we've been having before this and really just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your experience with rites of passage and mentoring. Um, I'd love for you to kind of to our audience, just introduce yourself and let us know kind of what you're engaged in, what you're doing out in Washington. Yeah. Thanks, brother. It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, so my name is Nikki Wilkes. I am the uh, co-founder and executive director at Journeyman Institute based in Washington State and the Pacific Northwest. And uh, along with my co-pilot, good brother, Alex Craighead, uh, we've been uh, stewarding this community uh, that we, we refer to just as Journeyman for, um, gosh, four years now. It's been about four years. And so at its core, Journeyman is, is evolving into a platform for young people to uh, really share their gifts with the world. And that follows a sequence, of course, where we create experiences where young people get to glimpse their gift and be honored, um, oftentimes for the first time authentically and, and begin to get closer to who they are as a person. And then uh, I think our greatest gift and role as mentors and guides is to continue to tease out the genius in our young people. And so we do that through in-school mentoring groups, uh, which I believe is very similar to what y'all have going on as well. Um, essentially, it kind of follows the arc of the way of counsel, and we do this in schools and in some other community settings. Uh, we do camps, quests, and courses during the spring and summer. Um, and so this is typically what are referred to as the rites of passage experiences. Um, and in my humble opinion, it's probably the most fun part of our work, uh, just being outside, getting connected to nature, getting in our bodies, uh, playing games, challenging ourselves, all that good stuff. And um, we also do a fair amount of training programs for adults. So recognizing that, you know, it takes a village. We, uh, we put a lot of energy into creating training experiences for people who want to mentor or folks who are really interested in human development um, work and are interested in potentially being a guide in the future. We also work with a lot of teachers and school districts now. And so uh, folks who are working with youth and are recognizing that the traditional ways of, of teaching and learning are uh, not necessarily always the most effective. And so uh, a lot of emphasis is put on relationship building um, and aligning uh, how we work with youth to be um, essentially in alignment with what we know about youth development with a trauma lens, with a focus on uh, the long term, uh, thinking about what we're providing for young people so that they can flourish, not just now, but certainly as they transition into young adulthood and feel a sense of self at that stage. And um, also a lot of work around unpacking masculinity. Uh, so much, uh, you know, baggage attached to what we are conditioned to believe is is normal for a man. And so rather than teach young guys how to be a man, I think we mostly unlearn together. We're sort of 
deconditioning ourselves and, and recognizing a lot of the programming that's put on us isn't necessarily in service to ourselves or society. And so we do a lot of unpacking of that and we give a safe space for boys to question uh, who they were told to be and, and how they are essentially put into a box that doesn't necessarily fit. Um, that's what I'm up to mostly. Uh, you know, nice. aside from that, I'm a father of three. I got a beautiful, lovely uh, fiance and we are in the process of building a home. And so a lot of my energy is just getting outside, getting on the land and holding the vision for a home that will hold us into the next generation. Congrats on the engagement, by the way. Yeah. Thank you so Fairly much. recent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. And I like to think of you guys as like journey, you know, journeyman West coast. You're like yeah. not too far and we're journeyman East coast and just <laughs> bringing it together. Um, you know, helping the boys in, in this entire nation. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more around, you know, what, what you see is kind of day to day, like w with the boys in your program, like what are they struggling with? Like, what is it like to be, you know, a journeyman or even, you know, just a teenage boy in today's, in today's world? Mm. Yeah, lovely question. You know, right now we have the lens and experience of COVID. And so, I, I'm finding that, uh, you know, sitting in our circles and, and most of my, most of my influence these days is at the high school level. We do other ages and stages, but most of what I'm plugged into is our high school groups. And what I'm finding is that all of the typical like inquiry that boys and youth go through, you know, naturally is like accelerated right now. So, you know, adolescence is a time to question and to be uncertain about one's future. And uh, I'll pull a quote from Michael Mead, who's a big teacher and mentor of mine. He actually also lives on Vashon, which is pretty sweet to have him local. But it's, uh, it's, it's natural for youth to, to uh, worry about their future. It's not natural for youth to worry about the future of their world. Mm -hmm. And so what we're realizing is young people now are actually sitting with the fact that they don't know if Earth as they have come to know it is going to be like it is when they grow old. They are being told that, you know, climate change and COVID, all these things are actually causing into question their very society. And that is something that no generation that, you know, is currently living has ever really had to face. So I'm finding that like the general anxiety is, is, you know, accelerated, it's, it's heightened and there's a lot of our young guys who are who are sitting with like super deep existential questions and they're like 16 and you know actually after our last call on wednesday i was checking back in with one of our mentors and both of us were kind of jaw dropped at how this uh time away is is kind of providing a similar threshold time almost like the liminal space in a rites of passage program where they're just having to sit with all of this who am i what is happening what are my values? Um, because they're seeing so much crumble around them. And uh, I, th I think, unfortunately, you know, in a, in a, in a healthy rite of passage, a facilitated rite of passage program, there would be a container for them to return back to something that's solid, a village to hold them with their questions and, and just affirm them. That, hey, yeah, that was some crazy stuff, but you're going to be okay. And, and you're welcome here. And many of them don't feel like they have that place to go back to right now. It's kind of, they're just in this perpetual liminal space and a whole lot of, a whole lot of questioning without a lot of kind of security underneath it. So 
Um, that's not to say it's all bad. Like I'm, I'm actually super inspired. A lot of our young folks are taking this time to like dial up their entrepreneurial aspects and they're thinking of creative ways to make money and serve their community. And that's super awesome. Uh, you know, I, I think adversity is a great time to find the, find the parts of ourselves that know how to be resilient and get through it and actually maybe get even better uh, through the challenge. So there's quite a bit of uh, hope and inspiration flowing through as well. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I'd love to just highlight this one piece. We we had a my good friend Ezekiel on a couple weeks ago, and he spoke about kind of his his study into um, cosmology and this idea that humans are the species that ex- of the earth that experience themselves. Mm-hmm. That we experience we are kind of the eyes and the self-awareness of the earth in some ways. And it's not from a human centric perspective, but it's this idea that our society is going through this, you know, adolescent phase and, and there's this initiation happening for culture as a whole. So just to put a pin in it, I'd love to see how the work that we do can be carried on in five, 10 years across industries, across culture, as we start to learn how to be human how to be adults in this kind of younger society, if you will. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. I have a, like, it's interesting to hear kind of your perspective because you, you, you're expounding on like the viewpoint that I've, I've, I've more fell on the other side of the fence where I'm, I'm perceiving like a stagnancy with the youth where like at a point in their lives where they need to be differentiating, individuating and like getting out of mom's house, they're like stuck on house arrest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having a sense of like how, I guess, you know, being in this work, like for me feeling like something's being lost in that sense. So it's interesting to hear that in, in your experience, you're, you're seeing some of the kids almost like have an accelerated experience with like some of the, asking some of those questions and kind of getting deep and going, going inside. Yeah. Thank you. And it's on both sides. So, uh, I think, you know, the image that's coming to mind is like standing on, standing with like a foot on two islands and those islands are separating apart. And I've noticed that there is a, a, a subset of our community that's uh, not really taking this, this time to, to go deep and, and, and engage. There are quite a few young folks in our circles who are really isolating and disengaging. And even when they do show up to these, you know, Zoom calls that we're hosting, they're, they're one-tenth as engaged as they are in person. And uh, it's really challenging as a, as a guide and as a facilitator to not just track that, but to provide the same level of invitation that we can do in person. Mm. And that's kind of breaking my heart. Um, we keep learning, you know, by, by, by the prompts and the conversations about really traumatic stuff that's happening in the household. You know, grandparents are mm. moving back in with their family and dying and uh, you know, substance abuse and addiction is on the rise, especially as economic factors set in, people are losing their jobs, all these pressures are being added. And, you know, most families don't have great communication tools to really integrate these into productive conversations. And the young folks are just, you know, basically holding that, holding that and not knowing what to do with that. And, uh, that's a truth, bro. I'm, I'm actually seeing that as well. And, and it's something that I don't have answers to, sadly. I think most of us are just sitting with the question of like, what can we do? And, and you know, when are things going to shift back to uh, uh, a space where we can provide a little bit more direct support? 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd love, you know, unless you've got a follow up, Brand, I'd love to um, just ask kind of what you, what do you define as rites of passage? I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit, but for people who have not heard of that, or maybe they think of something completely different, um, how would you define that? Mm, Nice. This has changed for us, I think, in the last couple of years. Um, we, uh, are you guys familiar with Bill Plotkin's work? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, a little bit, yeah. Cool. So uh, Bill Plotkin has been a huge inspiration for me on a personal level and professional level and uh, having done some of their adult trainings and experiences and many of my mentors and, and uh, sources of, of wisdom have, have worked with him directly and, and quite honestly for a long time, like since probably the 90s and stuff. And, and one of our elders, so we have an elders council, and uh, I'm so grateful for that space. And one of our elders uh, is, you know, works very closely with Bill, uh, even in still today. And, and I think it was like two years ago, he sent us a video of, of Bill speaking to um, rites of passage more broadly. And he was um, describing the, I, I would say that he was describing the difference between creating an initiatory experience and and a, a true rite of passage. And in particular, Bill was like, you know what, a lot of these organizations out there who are doing rites of passage work, they're not really doing rites of passage. Don't get me wrong, they're doing really important stuff. Like that is needed, but it's not really a rite of passage because uh, at its core, rite of passage is a marking of what has already been done or what is already happening. Hmm. And a lot of us, journeymen included, we are quite literally trying to create some impetus of change. We're, we're providing the tools and the, and the necessary ingredients for change to happen. And, and you know, I, I would say at our best, we are creating initiatory spaces so that if change, transformation, as we might call it, is going to happen, it's very likely to. But everyone on this call knows we can't will somebody to change. Like, an unwilling participant can't be forced into a camp and we're going to be like, yeah, we're going to make a man out of you. Like, that's not how it works. And I think a lot of parents would love if that was the case. They'd be like, Oh, my kid's pissing me off or they need to change. So I'm going to send them to your thing and then they're going to come back and they're going to be different. And that's just, that's not what we do. That's never going to be what we do. And I would say that that is not an effective way of looking at experiential design. So to us, a rite of passage is about, marking, celebrating, and acknowledging a meaningful life transition. And I say meaningful because it needs to be a meaningful shift for the participant. Um, We do get guys who sign up and are excited to do our things. And that's a really important piece of what we do is, is all the participants that we engage, they have to have agency over the choice to be there. Um, We don't, we don't allow parents to sign up their kids if the kids don't want to come. Sometimes they're a little reluctant, but through conversation and through our usually day one is when we really focus on like engaging in them and the, the whole thing and really get some buy-in. But everything that we do requires that they are in and they choose to be in. And from that point on, it really sets the tone for everything that we do. Um, and within that construct of, of saying a, a right is a ritual, right? It's a ritual act, a symbolic act that has some psycho-spiritual meaning to it. Um, oftentimes the meaning of the, the rite of passage doesn't set in right away, but it leaves an imprint. Mm. 
And so at its core, a lot of the symbolism and a lot of the meaning, uh, it might not show up until later in life, maybe a year, maybe 10 years, maybe a month. But at some point in their life, when they're facing adversity or when they're facing a questioning of who am I, what am I supposed to do, and who are my people, they might remember that moment and say, oh, that's right. I have a claiming statement, right? I know who I am, and I know where I can go for support. And to me, that's the beauty of a rite of passage, is that mm. community aspect of saying, you're not alone. And even when you're in your most sensitive and, and uncertain and... Um, you know, doubtful, fearful time, you have a resource, both inside, you have an internal resource, but you also have an external resource of this community who has seen you in your genius to go to. Um, that's what mm. I see as a rite of passage. Yeah, I, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, um, I resonate with this idea that, you know, you don't, it's imprinted, but you don't really know what it means. And I'm still learning and experiencing, like, wisdom from the different rites of passages experiences that i've had right it's like still unfolding um i had one when i was 14 i have one when i was 22 and they're still they don't all make sense to me i'm not aware of all that's happened and it's like unfolds throughout my life and so i'm curious you know what have your rites of passage experiences been and how how have they kind of unfolded as your life has taken shape nice one that feels really alive for me right now is graduation and so I say this because I'm, I'm very attuned to the high school age and stage right now. And the seniors that I'm working with, they are having their graduation taken away from them because of COVID. And, you know, there's parents who are like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. It's, but I'm like, do you remember how important that was when you were in high school? And it's a fascinating rite of passage because most of the symbols in it, I think, are, are they're meaningful for a lot of people, but we don't know why. Like, why do we wear square hats? And why do we put the tassel from one side to the other? Why do we wear the weird gown? Like very few people can answer these questions and yet we all do them. And so I'm fascinated by cultural rites of passage that have somehow persisted and yet the stories and the origins of them are completely lost on the vast majority of people. Uh, I think graduation was a meaningful one for me because it marked me feeling like I checked off the box where I could tell the adults to fuck off in my life. Apologies for the language. Being like, hey, I did the things that you told me I was supposed to do. Now I get to do what I want, right? Now it's on me. And that was a really important piece for me to feel that sense of agency in my life. Um, aside from that, like a, a deep wilderness vision quest was something that happened later in life that I would say really marked my feeling of being an adult. Um, we got pregnant when I was 24 and we had our first child when I was 25. And that was, I would say, that was like the huge catalyst for the initiatory experiences to follow. Being like, oh my gosh, I'm a dad now. I have to do my work. Like I can't, like I can't be a boy anymore. That was very clear and uncomfortable and annoying at the same time. And as that, as that initiatory kind of stew continued to boil, um, I knew that there was a time where I needed a ritual around that. And that was essentially embarking on my own quest. And so going out onto the wilderness and fasting for several days and, and having that be a very attended to experience and guided with really amazing, beautiful guides. Um, that was, you know, I would say the most significant rite of passage I've experienced. And it has informed to a large extent um, a lot of what we do at Journeyman and a lot of what I feel like are some of the more universal pieces 
um, that seem to be present pan-culturally across different rites of passage. So thinking about what are the elements that tend to show up in meaningful rites of passage, no matter where you look around the globe, healthy cultures, uh, you know, whether we're looking at Australia and the Aboriginal or um, uh, Northwest Native Americans, like there's so many different examples of uh, rites of passage functions in their culture that seem to integrate very similar elements. And those were very present for me and mine. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. You got something, Brent? Uh, I mean, I just c- I connect with a lot of what you were saying. For me, I, I did four years as a wilderness therapy field instructor, and that was like when I would mark my transition from being a boy to starting to like, like, oh, you know what? I'm I'm not a boy anymore. Like, I'm I think differently. I like carry myself differently. Like, there's just something very different about how I feel now. Um, and I don't know if there's I have no, you know, for me, it's like, you you can't, I can't separate it from some sort of element of the wilderness. Like there has to be some of that for me. Um, I don't know what, to me, any, any rite of passage work that I would do or design would have an element of wilderness in it because that's just been woven into my experience of like being out there where there's just this sense of vastness and wildness that you're like kind of confronted with. And it, uh, it's such a, container for that self-reflection i don't know of anything else like it so i mean that that part specifically and you speaking about the vision quests for me it wasn't necessarily not eating but it was like being out on these week-long trips every other week where i'm like with this intense population (laughs) taking like taking on the responsibility of taking care of them my staff team and myself and like getting us where we need to go and like handling all these things and then finding those spots for like the meditations and the cracks and um that was where a lot of my own work unfolded i love that question well what i heard is a question in that but it's like what 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 would a what would a rite of passage be like without Mm. uh, the nature element present yeah i'm aware of of groups particularly um urban focused youth development groups who who do like really deep meaningful rites of passage work and they don't really have access to outer nature and i'm fascinated by that and i um i I'm curious because for me, it's so vital. I'm like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. trying to replicate some of what we do without being in the, the great body of, you know, the wild would be so hard. And and on the flip side, like I find that some of the work that we do in schools or when we're closer to civilization, it just requires so much more energy than if we get outside. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm working so hard for boys to share on the prompt. They're just like, they're just, nah. mm-hmm. and then we get outside and there's like birds and they're just like, like wide open. Their senses are activated. They're in their bodies. They're alive. They're in their animal self. Right. And we don't even have to try that hard. I'm like, as guides, we kind of just coast. We're like, all right, cool. I'm going to take care of safety and ask some good questions, but nature's going to do the rest. And my sense is that's kind of the way it's always been. You know, I, I don't know that we had to work so hard back in the day when we could really just get out, go into the wilderness and, have a deep meaningful experience and be tested that's the other part of the rite of passage is like especially you know considering what is male like what is what is typically showing up in a male rite of passage and looking at the the history and the anthropology behind it oftentimes there is uh, a, a test there is a, some sort of adverse challenge that needs to be overcome and without nature like it really puts a lot on us to create that 
And that isn't necessarily my favorite part. Like we can dial up challenge or dial it down to make it appropriate for folks in an experience, but there's something much more magical when nature provides the exact challenge that they need. And maybe that's like, oh, a giant rainstorm came on your solo night or right. you're allergic to bees and there was a bunch of bees next to your you know, spot or whatever it is. Like there's so many examples of just like, yeah, I couldn't create that even if I tried. That is exactly the lesson that you needed. And of course, mystery provided that. So um, really yeah, resonating I mean, it, with the nature piece. I think it also changes the dynamic drastically when you're both trying to hold a space and are, are like the, the boy is attributing the like hardship to you. You know, there's a different like relationship involved there. And so something, you know, when nature takes on that role and presents those things, uh, it changes like what you're able, the space you're able to hold in a lot of ways, I think. hundred percent. Yeah. We're, it, it shifts the attitude to, for me, like from this, like, we're all in this together. Like, I don't have control over this. Like, this is just the experience, right. <clears throat> to like them looking at you and projecting this attitude of like, you're doing this to me. Like, why you know why and and how that energy shifts really toward almost like the bad cop of the group and that's hard it's hard to do both it's hard to hold that encouraging mentor space and also be seen as like the uh the annoying authority figure who's making it hard <laughs> right yeah i i know we're running short on time here but i've got um i've got a question kind of one last question i want to ask and maybe we can do a little check out um yeah you know, we're hoping to do check-in, check-out at the front end and back end of these things, but we forgot the check-in this time, so we'll at least get the check-in. It's all good. Um, the, uh, so a quick little story about how I found Journeyman, how I found you guys. I was looking to buy the domain, Journeyman, and I found <laughs> Journeyman.com was taken and Journeyman.us was taken, and I was like, wait, and I clicked on their link, and I was like, whoa, these guys are doing the exact same thing that we're doing. This is <laughs> awesome. And I called Nikki up, and I said, hey, man, like, let's connect. Like, we're doing similar work out in North Carolina. And um, so that was a fun little kind of connection across the Internet. And I'm thinking, you know, in, in this world of, you know, virtual, in a COVID world, right, how do we, mm. how do we engage boys and in these experiences, in these group mentoring experiences. So I'm curious kind of for you to share a little bit with our audience, kind of what you're doing in this realm of things. How are you leveraging the virtual world to, uh, to meet boys in, in what they need and where they're at? Thank you. Yeah, I love that. I've, I've actually had two other like really solid connections come through domain name similarity. It's so funny. Um, what are we doing? So we realized that the village model is kind of missing right now in, in modern culture for a lot of people. And so we're bringing the village to them. We've created an online uh, community called The Village. It's hosted um, uh, It's hosted like via our website. It's called village.journeymen.us. And The Village is gonna hold a lot of the experiences that we create for youth and also provide a space for parents, mentors, and other youth advocates to you know, basically get meaningful content, listen to experts in parenting, rites of passage, mentorship, youth development, et cetera. Um, and the primary offering that we've created right now for boys is called Band of Brothers. And we really sat with this piece of like, okay, cool. So we have these groups formed. We've been working with circles for a long time and the structure is not enough. It's not providing the, the I, I would say the invitation 
to go on a journey that boys want right now. They really want more and they also don't want it to feel like school. So we're hesitant to call it a course. Um, we call it an online experience and it takes place over six weeks and every week they get challenges. The challenges are stacked. So there's like a level one challenge, there's level two challenges. And then if they complete that, there's a level three challenge and, and it's all by invitation. It's gamified. So they earn points. And at the end of the experience, they get to exchange their points on a trading post and get some cool swag like camping hammocks and other cool stuff that, you know, I think is enticing for them. Let's face it, extrinsic rewards work and it's not the most important part of the experience. So we're trying to kind of weave a little bit of both into the, uh, into the whole thing. And it's a huge experiment. Like I can't pretend like it's the best thing ever and it's going to work because we haven't even run it yet. But I can say that as guides and the people who've contributed to it, we are fired up about this in a way that we haven't been about Zoom meetings. You know, a lot of us were like, cool, we could do circles with Zoom. But when we sat down and really got writing articles and creating short videos and designing challenges and finding cool images that were going to be provocative, we were fired up. And to us, if we're fired up, if our inner fire is stoked, that's going to be felt. The boys are going to get more stoked and they're going to feel engaged and, and ultimately uh, invited into this community that we're calling Band of Brothers. So we're stoked about that. I don't know how it's going to go yet, but my sense is that it's going to be fun and it's going to be meaningful and it's going to be a bit of a blueprint for how we build courses from here on out. Um, we've even thought about using the same technology to build the container for how we do camps and quests in the future. So rather than sending emails to parents and phone calls to boys, we're just going to enroll them into these circles and begin building the container for weeks before we even gather. And that's something that we've never been able to do before, but this piece of technology is really set up to do. Wow. Yeah. I'm fired up hearing about it. That's awesome. It's really cool. Fantastic. Brent, you want to, you want to lead us in a checkout? Yeah. Um, okay. I guess, uh, as a checkout, we can, I'm curious how you guys are feeling right now after this conversation and then um, maybe a piece of inspiration that we can take away from this. So for me, I'm feeling um, well connected and inspired and I think fired up is a good word. Um, empowered is another one too. And um, something I, I want to for sure take away from this is just that sense of... Um, potential possibility even in a world where people are experiencing lockdown but um, that there are these ways that we can jump in and engage and, and be creative and kind of continue this really important work um, even when the current is like pulling us into this place of inaction um, and separation like how there are ways to step in and do that work and so for me like <clears throat> you know, Jordan, Jordan, you and I talk on the phone, but maybe like us revisiting some of the ways that we want to potentially build like the virtual group out and uh, creatively engage just the community that's out there. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm out with that. Nice. Yes. Brother. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, Jordan, I, I uh, resonate with another name, a kind of spirit name, Hawk with Butterfly. My, uh, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of gratitude. I'm feeling a lot of joy, like in my hands. Like I'm super jazzed, um, and uh, yeah, grateful, grateful for you men and the work um, that you do in the world, and that we can kind of weave it together. Um, 
I'm inspired by um, the positives of how to use this virtual format. I feel like I've been inundated with the negatives, so I'm inspired by the positives um, <laughs> and how to weave it into something that I already really care about, this this mentoring work and this rites of passage work. So, yeah, I'm full. I'm checking out full. Thank you, brother. Yeah. I'm Nikki. I'm checking out feeling uh, grounded, feeling connected to my purpose, uh, feeling grateful for the opportunity to just speak about my work and and where my heart is directing me these days. So thank you. And yeah, a piece of inspiration I'm walking with is um, I, these words echo in our work all the time, but it's trust the process. And in the uncertainty, just, I, I mean, these are, this is my mantra to myself. So I'm just talking to myself right now, trust the process. You know, nature has confusing ways of presenting things to humans. And for really hundreds of thousands of years, we have been tested with tremendous adversity and yet persisted. Each one of us alive right now carries the genes of uh, resilient people who have faced, you know, really, really uncertain, scary, crazy times and we've lived. And so just know it's literally in our bones. It is in our bones to make it through this in some way and that, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is bright. So I'm out, love you guys, really appreciating our time. Thank you for listening in to this episode of the Journeyman Podcast. Again, my name is Jordan Bowman, and I'm with Journeyman Triangle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brant Evans, out in Journeyman Asheville in North Carolina. Huge thanks to Nikki for showing up and for all the work he's doing to inspire the men of tomorrow. We also want to give a shout-out to Charles Krejci for bringing us the intro and outro music. Please check the description for ways that you can support us supporting the boys. Until next time, peace, be well.